life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. We are a weekly talk show that presents ideas to ponder, ideas to disagree with, and things to consider. I'm your host, Alexia Georgiousis, for this evening. Gord Riddell is not able to join us tonight, but he sends his regards. And we are live, before I introduce our guest, we're live. If you'd like to join the conversation, please call us toll-free at one 346 9141 from anywhere in North America. So tonight we have returning guest Jennifer Drummond. And Jennifer is the founder and president of Racial Lens, a client-centered consulting company creating safe spaces for difficult conversations about race. Jennifer's work seeks not to shame, guilt, or chastise anyone for unconscious beliefs that we may hold. Instead, she seeks to elevate awareness through active discussions for the inclusion of all in becoming anti-racial advocates. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I'm so happy to be here again. (laughs) Yes, again. Well, it's very timely. And, you know, the last time you were here, which was two weeks ago, we covered Mm -hmm. a lot of ground. Tonight, we're going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to continue this conversation. And I'm just going to say, where would you like to start? Well, first, I'd love to start with a land acknowledgement. Perfect. So just to remind everybody here in Toronto, we're we're, we're, uh, recording from Toronto, so you can do wherever you want, uh, which lands, which uh, which, uh, Indigenous lands you, you are living on at the moment. So in Toronto, we are on the lands of the Mississauga of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and that we are covered under Treaty 13 in Toronto, which essentially means that we are actually on stolen land because the Indigenous communities never gave it up. We just started living here. So just think about how many people were living around here, living their lives before you know, the French and the English came um, and uh, essentially pushed the indigenous population into reserves. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why we want to remember that we are on borrowed land and this is where we live. And that's how uh, Canada became about. I mean, even Canada and Toronto are both native words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. I think it's the aspect of remembrance and acknowledgement, especially with the pandemic and the planet mm-hmm. and the importance of really what the wisdom teachings were and are from Indigenous peoples. Very different relationship to the earth, right? Very different relationship. And even uh, recently, uh, something's come out and about in regards to Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. saying that he actually got mo- he got a lot of his ideas from the blackfoot yes. which is actually almost turned around and so it's very interesting where there's something that seems so fundamental in regards to how as a western society we think about what our needs are 
but yet they are completely flipped. They've been taken from something that was completely different and distorted. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, just and that's in regards to having power and supremacy. Yeah, um, definitely over over uh, everybody. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. And there's a big shakeup. And, and I think that this is what I like seeing is that so many people are beginning to really be curious about plant medicine and the relationship to the earth. And, you know, I, I have a belief that the earth as a being that, you know, this dispersion of congestion in the cities is very intentional because mm. it, the congestion and the waste is not serving the planet. It's not serving anybody. But the fundamental, you know, uh, lessons that have been sort of annihilated or attempted a lot with Indigenous people, yes. it's they're they're resurging. There's more people who are non-Indigenous who are really, really wanting to embrace and be different in the world, which I I have hope for. I have hope. <laughs> Absolutely. And in regards to that whole seven generation aspect of it, right, what you're doing now is to benefit those seven generations away, which totally links in with dealing with race and race relations. And uh, because, you know, we have to start working on it now. And uh, because hopefully in seven generations, they'll be able to live in an equitable society. Um, based on the work that we're doing right now and that's starting at the moment. And that is one of the wishes that I have is that, you know, closer and closer, we're going to get to equity where people really are working as a collective um, to advance everybody Mm -hmm. and really believing that idea of just because somebody is going to get something, the same thing I have, it doesn't mean that I'm going to get less Exactly. It actually can mean that as a collective, we are working much better yeah. uh, and that we're actually taking care of everybody in our society. Yes. You know, the idea that we have hungry children and our seniors have been neglected mm-hmm. um, is something that's a little bit sad. Oh, <laughs> um, very sad. And, and uh, it would be wonderful. Yeah, it would be. And it yeah. would be wonderful to see citizens of the earth instead of you know, this idea of nationality that separates people and religions yeah. that separate people. Absolutely. I, I think that, that hopefully in seven generations. But, you know, hopefully. about this, just I'm going to just go into uh, a little bit around, I'd like to ask you how your journey about creating racial lens. So my journey um, was, and it's been building throughout my life, obviously. Um, as a mixed race woman, I have been able, I've, I've, I've experienced racism a number of times throughout my life from things that are completely blatant where someone's been screaming at me and telling me to go back to where I come from, which is, I was born in Toronto. My family's from Nova Scotia, so I don't know where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, and to like really microaggressions throughout my life. So I've always worked in social justice in some way, shape, or form. Um, but this last year was, uh, I was, I've, not last year, but the last couple of years, I've been recovering from burnout. Mm. And <laughs> okay. uh, from working in a yeah. toxic environment um, where microaggressions were quite normal. Um, and a lot of them were geared towards me. 
And that's exhausting and tiring and it's crazy making. Anyway, so as I was uh, recuperating and taking care of myself and my body, I realized that I wanted to continue to give back to um, my community. And one of the things and ways I thought I could is actually taking my experience with uh, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion and making it available to give to other people with a twist. Um, And it was also spurred on by uh, the murder of George Floyd and just feeling completely helpless in that situation. Um, Luckily, Derek Chauvin, who was the police officer who did put his knee on uh, George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and 26 seconds, has been convicted, has been charged or has been found guilty of all charges, which is fantastic. And that is definitely a step in the right direction. But it's actually something that it's a call to it's a call to action. That if we keep pushing and showing and telling our representatives what's not working in our society, that they have to change things and that systems have to change. And we have to, as a collective, Uh, And as public, put pressure on wanting these things to change so that policy can change and hopefully whole systems can change. So that's kind of why I started uh, Racial Lens, also using my my psychotherapy background, Mm -hmm. knowing that you can't shame people into changing their behaviors. They have to want to change their behaviors. And where as much as possible, I'd like to give them some of those tools so that they can actually change their behaviors in a much more conscious way um, and be able to live with the changes that they're making and knowing that they're contributing to the positive advancement of all human beings. And that's that's fantastic. And I applaud your decision and your effort. And I, I think that sometimes you know, going through something like burnout, what you experienced and the microaggressions that we don't know that there is a hidden gift. It was like, no, you're meant to actually get out of this place, shed it Mm -hmm. and create something new. And, and the, the systems, I think, you know, in terms of, um, we talked about this a little bit when you were on the show, um, a couple of weeks ago, how the systems have been designed and they are working the way they were designed which is yeah. not to have equanimity or balance, not only between human beings, but also with the land and resources and everything. So yeah. creating new systems is, I think, very interesting and having this aspect of awareness to people. So when you're working with clients, mm-hmm. and what I find fascinating is, is that sometimes we really are unconscious of what we're holding. Yes. And so yeah. can you give an example of how you explore that with, with let's say, a group? Yeah. So I work with, uh, I have what I call discovery groups, and it's six to eight people. And the whole, like, I'll give homework. <laughs> so, and making people much more conscious and aware and getting them to think about different things. So one of the, one of the smaller things that people think, um, and we've talked about, we talked about this two weeks ago in regards to racism is a description or a racist is is a description of something and it's a result of 
growing up in a society that was built that way, right? Or as Jane Elliott, if you ever have a chance to look at Jane Elliott's stuff, she's fantastic. She says, it's impossible that no one has been, that people have, it would be a miracle if someone who is white has grown up and not, is not a racist, just because of the way the systems are set up. So it's not something that you need to get a knee-jerk reaction about. And it's something to maybe examine whether or not someone's calling you in or calling you out Mm. on on your behavior. So certain things like uh, I'll hear people talking and then I'll walk in the room and it's regular conversation, regular, hey girl, how's it going? And it's like, okay, I know them at a professional level. (laughs) But they don't do that to anybody else. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. do it just Mm -hmm. to me, right? And I know that it's coming from a place of wanting to connect. Yes. But it's not a connection because you're treating me differently. And there's that unconscious bias of different things that are going on so that the person has to connect what that unconscious bias is. So we'll look at some small everyday things in regards to what makes you feel this way. If you're looking at that particular person, how does it work? So using things like film and asking people to break it down and see it from a different perspective. How how can you see that from a different perspective uh, that is not your own? And then start thinking about, oh my gosh, I've had these biases, um, but I didn't realize that I had them until you can turn it around and think about it a different way and a little bit more removed from that entire person, from that, uh, from removed from yourself and how you interpret it because the person you're talking to isn't interpreting it the same way as you Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. and realizing that. And a lot of the times that's, uh, that's a hard thing. Um, And being able to accept the feedback, which is really the hard thing that happens a lot of the times. Whenever I have, I usually call people in. And what I mean by calling people in is taking them aside and saying, look, you know what, what you just said to me was kind of racist or uncomfortable for me for these particular reasons. And a number of times when I have done that and I'm sure other people of color will say the same is that the person will, Oh, it turns into a big thing. And the narrative gets switched onto them and their intentions instead of my hurt. (laughs) And um, if you're not willing to look at the hurt, then you're not going to change. Yeah. Right. And it's like, yeah, I get that. You're not trying to hurt me, but. And so it's getting clients to be able to start taking that step back and thinking that way in regards to being able to perceive life on the other side, so to speak. No, it's beautiful. And it's it's so um, supportive of developing consciousness and awareness mm-hmm. because, you know, we are so used to functioning and living in a particular way and showing up in a particular way and what you're touching on absolutely requires courage it requires such deep courage of the heart because on both ends one for you to say it in a way that is 
gentle or kind or respectful. And that takes a lot right there. The other yeah. part is receiving it. So, you know, I think that this aspect is where people don't have the tools. We don't have, exactly. again, another system that is not um, now <laughs> going forward, in my opinion, is that the curriculums in education around teaching little children how to express, how to feel, how to think, and how to basically communicate from a place of awareness. Yeah. And and that, I know you do some children's programs as well, which I, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear about. So, so these are very, very, what I would call essential life skills now. They're becoming essential. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because children are so amazing because once you kind of, they can grasp that empathy. They haven't, it almost feels like they haven't had it sanded off of them by life. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, And, and wanting to fit in a particular box that people want you in so that they can feel comfortable. So kids are fantastic because if they say something, you know, for the most part, it's going to be what they believe. And then, but they're also open to listening and having something broken down for them in regards to how that impacts other people. It takes time, but they are willing to do it. And so asking adults to get to that point is great. Great. And on that note, we have to take a break and we will be back shortly with Jennifer Drummond. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Jennifer Drummond, the founder and creator of Racial Lens. 
And if you would like to join our conversation, I'm sure Jennifer would love to hear from you. The phone number is one 346 9141 So, Jennifer, just before the break, we were talking about children and empathy. Yes. And you were yes. saying that they really have an ease with this. They they really do. Um, and and uh, they they they're open to hearing different things. And it's easier to relate to them. How would you feel if? Hmm. Right. And I do that somewhat with adults, but because they're what their logical brains want to put it in a box so that they can understand it. And if it's uncomfortable, a lot of the times you just don't want to deal with it. So, well, I think so, a lot of adults are focused often if there's an unconsciousness mm-hmm. and we slip into that, right? We slip into that Absolutely. being conscious and unconscious, all our wounding comes up, but there's often a sense of needing to be right. Yes. So the logic comes into how can I be right or how can my opinion, you know, be shared instead of actually what you were saying, listening. Yeah really actively listening and learning how to active listen. And the idea and the reality is that there, there's no way of being right when there's a system where a good chunk of people are being oppressed. Um, so, and it's not that people need to be, feel bad about what's happened and where we're at. It's being feeling bad, feeling shamed, feeling guilty, uh, doesn't help (laughs) to alleviate the situation. What helps the situation is by being brave enough to ask for help. And how how can I change personally Mm. um, to grapple such a nuanced and huge social issue? Um, And it is huge and it is nuanced and it's going to take a lifetime of work but if adults start doing it, then kids will start doing it. And then it slowly will become the norm. And, uh, and I, I believe that human beings at their core and in their hearts, when they really get down there and take away the fear and the shame and the guilt, that they want everyone to succeed, right? Um, you know, and they that, want harmony. And they want harmony. harmony. You know, I think, right? I think when you think of an innocent child, everybody was an innocent baby. Absolutely. We were all completely innocent. And before um, I go on to that is, do you think that the children can teach the parents? Absolutely. If the parents are open to being taught. Because, you know, it's that whole idea that parents own their children. <laughs> right? Yes. Which yes. they don't. <laughs> No. You gave birth to them and you're parenting them, <laughs> but right. they're, I, they're, they're their own individuals. So, but I think if parents are willing to listen to the points of view of their of children, you can, the learning that can happen out of the mouths of babes mm. is what they always say. Mm. And the incredible insights that children have because they don't have this history of prejudgment and packaged ideas that get fed to you throughout your life, right? They're just in the moment. And so they're 
they're very good at just asking questions that sometimes people think are rude, but they get you thinking. <laughs> right. And the second thing is, is if it, you think it's rude, it's like, but is it a lie? <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it untrue? You might think it's rude, but is it untrue? Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, chastising children for saying something that is true or saying something that you can't relate to, which is a lot of the times what happens is adults will chastise a child for saying something that they can't understand or grapple with, right. um, is training them to be more and more like adults and not have that open vision and that open mind and to be able to grasp um, difficult conversations and difficult things because they don't know they're difficult. (laughs) Right. They just go for it. Exactly. It's not in their minds that it's difficult. It's like, I want to know. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask. And uh, I think adults could very much learn from their children and allowing their children to be able to use their own words and finish their own sentence and interpret to them what it is they are actually trying to say instead of us trying to interpret what it is they're trying to say with our lenses, not their lenses. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's great. And I, I feel that if we had a world where there was so much support for parents mm-hmm. to help them because I think it's the hardest job in the world. Absolutely. That, that requires such, especially now, huge levels of awareness and consciousness mm-hmm. and, and a willingness, as you said, to grow and learn and evolve and actually lead because this is, this is what we're all needing in my opinion is that we all need to lead mm-hmm. for ourselves. And you know, one of the questions I have for you as well is this aspect of, you know, courage for you to approach someone and say, hey, you know, what you said was came across as racist for me. And how many people do you know of people of color who uh, would do that? in terms of their ease of doing it, I should say. They may want to, but the ease of doing that. Yeah, um, it doesn't happen often. And when it actually does happen, it's usually not the first time they've encountered those emotions with that person or have encountered those words with that person. Um, And it's really hard when, especially when you're to confront somebody, especially someone you love, and you know they love you. Um, and, you know, there are people who I would walk through fire for, who I still have to call out from time to time. Mm. Um, and that is still hard. Yeah. Um, and usually, especially in the work environment, because there can be such backlash, fear of backlash. And it's not entirely an unfounded fear. Right. Um, you know, I've been in places where I've been fairly vocal, um, not all the time because people would think I'm a whiny, crazy person, but, <laughs> and then, you know, it's like the wolf, um, who, uh, you know, the child who called cried yes, wolf. Yes, it's like, yes. I'm not actually crying wolf 
to get attention. It's there's actually a wolf there. And I've learned how to work around the wolf, so to speak, if we're using metaphors. Um, but because I have been vocal, um, I've been passed up for promotions. And I know a number of friends who have, um, have been offered smaller, less money than my colleagues who may do the same or even less work than I do. Um, not getting recognized for the work that we've done, um, putting forward ideas and then someone adopting it and taking it over um, yeah. is uh, some of the things that are, are uh, that happen quite often or and that don't get addressed. Um, you know, yeah, all and, the time and, because and, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for a person of color because they feel that they will be persecuted as a result or it will sure. be brushed off as, oh, you're just being sensitive. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. oh, it's not about race. Oh, get over yourself. Oh, I didn't mean that. Or the best is, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't mean to hurt. And then the person breaks down and then I end up having to take care of them. Right, right. It becomes, so, and that's, that goes to that awareness piece of, yeah. of, of people, of our culture, many, many people not actually knowing how to listen from a place of humility yes, and, and from a place of being very grounded instead of reactive yeah. and taking it so personally, because those Again, if someone doesn't have that level of awareness, it actually, I think, limits their level of confidence to be Absolutely. able to communicate in that way, which is, again, so wonderful that you're doing with Racial Lens because it is, it is the future. I, I really yeah. believe this will start to be implemented slowly. And hopefully, many adults will start to say to themselves, you know, I actually don't really know how to communicate and listen and hear you know, without, without being reactive, because, you know, it's a, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do at all. Not at all. It's very difficult. And it, as I said, it, it does, it takes a lot of courage to, to, to face this work and to come into it. And the big thing is, is that I want to meet my clients where they are, right. And build them up to hopefully where they want to be, or at least where they can start to feel more comfortable and develop their own skills with a little bit, with awareness, but also feeling a little bit more comfortable in themselves to be able to take those risks mm -hmm. and be able to take any kind of criticism that may come to them um, and reflect on it. Because the, really, the reality is, is that if someone is calling you out or calling you in on something that is racist or upsetting to them in any way, shape, or form, it means that they care about you. It's not just yeah. about them feeling more comfortable right. um, and, and trying to stop the hurt from them. It's also, if someone's taking the time to be gentle and talk to you about that, yes, it's it's because they care about you. If they didn't care about you, they'd just go, out, oh, that racist, and walk away. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. I'm going to deal with you in a different way. But because I care about you and I want to have a real relationship with you, I'm going to try and 
teach you where I'm at as well so that you can meet me as a real human being and see my humanity and, and see my, and also see my color and to realize that my experience in life is going to be quite different from yours. Right. Just right. because of the color of my skin. Yes. And where you live, where you live, where yeah. you grow up, because, you know, this is part of what happens in certain areas of the world, there's going to be more prominence. Mm-hmm. And still the lesson of imagine learning as a child or learning, you know, even in high school or university that, oh, you know what, if someone actually approaches you to say something, it actually means they really care. Because yeah. how we say it, and this goes back to that fear of reprimand. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I think there are many, um, I like to believe there are many people in the world who really have a tremendous amount of remorse for what our ancestors have done. Mm-hmm. That the, you know, to, um, the, you know, that's what I want to want to believe. So when witnessing the atrocities that have happened or seeing like, oh my God, like you have that experience and having that, that sense of heaviness in the heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, Heaviness in the heart, I know for myself, it can make me feel very angry about some people's lack of awareness. And I know that's my own work. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, but it's also, I can see where people are afraid to be um, labeled per se as, oh my God, I'm not a racist or I'm not like that. I'm not one of them. Yeah. And, and it, it keeps going into this, this, this aspect of, you know, them and us. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And the them and us, it's that there's this tiny thin line in between that. And uh, because to negate what has been going on in regards to racism in the world, in particular, anti-black racism, but, you know, discrimination of all kinds. Right. Like the LGBTQT uh, to uh, spirited. the like, why? I, I never understood. <laughs> like, why? It doesn't affect you at all. So why is there that we and us, that us and them sort of thing? Um, we're all human. There's one human race, right? Exactly. And when we start realizing that there's one human race, and when we pull up those who have been oppressed, everyone benefits from it. Yeah. And I understand that, I mean, there's anger within the Black community as well. And I'll, I'll admit to it myself, like, when this last summer happened, realizing just how um, ignorant and using ignorant in the true sense of the word, which is meaning uh, just not knowing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the, the majority of, of the population and the world were about how people of color are treated kind of blew my mind. Um, And, and at a point I was angry about it, Um, but the anger doesn't do anything (laughs) other than perhaps propel you to make actions and make things better. Um, So that whole idea of revenge is, you know, for the most part, I've, you know, yes, there are some people who would like revenge, but for the most part, everyone just wants to be treated the same as everybody else. Okay. I, we, want the le- we want the playing field leveled out so that 
we can give our children better lives. We can create more harmonious communities. Um, and we can benefit from all of these gifts that may not have had the opportunity to flourish. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, because, it's... Uh, because they, a person's um, capacity or potential has not been nurtured. Mm -hmm. And what, mm -hmm. what a gift that we, we could have in the world. Right. Like Absolutely. it could be the kid in, you know, that could be the kid in, in one of the priority neighborhoods in Toronto who has the cure for cancer, but because, you know, he's, we've got, we possibly have a teacher with unconscious bias who constantly is sending that black child to the office. Right. Because they're the ones who get caught talking. So right, it's it's, it's the whole makers. kind of domino effect, right? And absolutely, and I think that 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 keeps that's where you know I I feel that the if we look at the pandemic as something that's very deeply purposeful, mm -hmm. and much more than what we think is happening, then hopefully we'll start to have these pockets of of awareness that start expanding and and yeah. people go down those portals because we know that pain causes us to grow usually in if sure. we're willing if we're willing to actually accept and that's the other thing that I wish was taught is that accepting that wow when you go through a difficult time it's actually part of your evolution you know, this would be so much it, it basically creates a buffer for people to move forward Mm -hmm. and again, learn a different way of being in the world. And on that note, we have to take another break and we'll be back <laughs> shortly. <laughs> Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info 
at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. And I'm here with Jennifer Drummond, and we've been speaking about unconscious racism and racial lens and how we can learn and grow. And Jennifer, one of the things that you know, you were speaking to uh, indirectly was was really around the aspect of um, shame uh, that's that can people can feel in anger and rage, but mm-hmm. also, you know, the the part around how people can work with this and not be so hard on themselves, and and that might come into at the break you mentioned around failure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, I think, our, our world, in particular, North America, um, we're very much, if things don't work out exactly the way you plan, you're seen, you feel as a failure, right? Uh, even with, like, people who get married and have divorces, uh, it's like a failure, but it's not necessarily a failure. That just didn't work. Can you learn from that particular aspect. So almost like embracing failure as a lesson to tweak something a little bit different, to bring you into a higher consciousness. Because if you're more conscious about what you're saying, what you're doing, it doesn't mean that you have to constantly think about it and hurt your brain. It's if someone corrects you, you just go, oh, okay, let me take a step back and look at that. Um, Instead of that knee-jerk reaction to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think most humans have that. And one of the main things that I tell clients is just count to 10. Keep breathing, count to 10, and hear the words they're saying from their point of view, right? It doesn't, you know, and when you can do that, you can meet the person as another human being. Definitely. Um, and therefore work past whatever needs to be worked past. Um, But you have to be willing to make mistakes because no one's going to get it perfect the first time around. No, and and it's such such an important lesson. Again, going back to these essential sort of lessons of life of how to be a, 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 I don't even want to use the word good, but how to be a human being that is mm-hmm. more harmonious in the world and more heart-centered. And yeah. all of these these little skills that are so subtle, but incredibly, incredibly powerful. Absolutely. It's interesting. I read an article recently about how Canadians are nice. <laughs> but nice meaning that we twist things around so that we don't have to deal with things that are uncomfortable. And so it means, you know, that whole idea of almost lying to ourselves and biting our tongues. I'd rather if people were kind, because for me, with kindness comes truth as well. Um, And it, truth can feel a little bit of an, of of an assault, but at least it's true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you about what's going on or how I'm feeling. This is actually true, at least to me. Right. right. So please meet me part of the way so that we can meet in kindness. Um, yes. And well, if that's humanity. the intention, 
right? Oh, if, if you meet people together and say, your intention here is to actually create kindness between each other. Absolutely. Again, that's the power of setting an intention and using awareness. And, you know, I really enjoy nonviolent communication with Marshall Rosenberg and his mm-hmm. his use of the puppets. When I first yeah. saw his video using the jackal and the giraffe, I was like, okay, this is a little bit odd for me. But once I saw what he was doing, I thought it was fantastic to have an awareness of, am I being a giraffe right now? that's very soft, open-hearted, or am I being a jackal with sharp ears, sharp teeth, and not, you know, again, we dance between one and the other because it's a practice, right? It's a long, a lifelong practice. Exactly. And, and, and the, the odd thing is, is that sometimes we need to, we need that jackal too. True. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Sometimes we do need that jackal, but we don't want the jackal to be out all the time because then nothing comes in right because right. people don't want to get near a jackal no for fear. And, the jackal- and the jackal may be nice and beautiful and warm and fuzzy and want you to rub its belly <laughs> yep but other jackals have usually are gonna like rip your arm off so <laughs> totally because right? so you're going to be conscious you're going to be cautious about yeah. how you approach jackals period yeah. yeah and of course that's a metaphor I, I, I can figure out what the metaphor is for. Right. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the the words, because you know, um mm-hmm. the the aspect of anti versus right. pro. And and yeah. I'm always very fascinated by this where it's you know, anti racism, anti black, and anti because energetically I believe that that creates a resistance. Absolutely. And, and I wonder about, you know, pro, how to, how to incorporate pro, or if that's something that, you know, you want to speak to. Sure, it's something I can speak to. I don't think we're there yet, unfortunately. What do you, how do you mean? How do you mean? I think that because it's such a huge issue, that to change it to pro almost makes it not necessary to do the work. Hmm, um, interesting. Yeah. And I just in regards to where we're at and like some of the words, like for example, defund or um, demolish, dismantle, dismantle the, uh, the police. Right. And I know a lot of people that, that hurt that, that really gets them where it's going. But the idea is that for years and years and years, you know, since slavery, we have been talking about how we're, how black people are being treated, how people of color are being treated. And we've tried to use softer words, but we're still working on the same problem. Yeah. yeah. And so I think part of what we do need and this is to almost have that shock factor. Right. Yeah. Um, I wish we could work towards pro peace, pro Mm -hmm. different things, pro inclusion, pro pro inclusion. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but then we're breaking it down is inclusion to what? Mm. Right. Yeah. When we say pro pro inclusion, that's still an idea that we're being included into someone else's world. Gotcha. It's like the word tolerate. (laughs) It's like the word tolerate. Like I, I don't know. I hate that word tolerate. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. And, and I don't, I don't know the, the, another word, but I do think that, 
it would be really lovely to have wording that is powerful yet mm -hmm. energetically supportive of what the desired outcome is because yeah. the the anti is i i understand what you're what you're saying and i mm -hmm. think that yes sometimes there has to be more firmness when there's this you know we've used kind words we've tried to be cooperative we tried to be you know collaborative we see this in the indigenous culture all over the place right which is yep. it's just uh, appalling um what the what we've the governments have done and and again it's like well when do you when does the conscious leadership step in because that's what i feel is that each person ultimately has to be responsible or the ability to respond for themselves but we yeah. can't force that no, we can't force that, but the idea that if we can start getting people to consciously change their minds, and if they're wanting to change it from anti to something that is pro, you know, pro-humanity. Pro-humanity, yeah, exactly. Right? But if we use something like pro-humanity, then what's the issue that we're actually trying to dismantle? I think because it is so ominous and nuanced and subtle and so ingrained into our system that if we say something like pro-humanity and maybe this is just my opinion is that a lot of people are going, Oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. That sounds right. nice. Right. And right. won't do the work. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So and yes, I, I get what you're saying. And, and, and I think that, uh, you know, whether people want to do the work is, is, really, really challenging, you know, in yeah. terms of a, a desire, because if someone is caught up with the fear that, oh my God, dismantling the police means that there will never be police around. Yeah. And that feeds into that fear because again, it goes with interpretation and perception. Absolutely. And, and dismantling, the word dismantling to me also creates a, a, a sort of, at least in my perspective, a perception of you know, trying to hold on to something old instead yeah. of creating something new. Absolutely. Like having people who are trained to deal with mental health issues. The police are not, why are the police called for that? Right? It's because that's who we have. Or when there's perceived increased crime in certain areas, the police get millions of dollars of funding to buy new stuff and to have more cops in those right. areas. But right. that doesn't help the community. It just over-polices them. Totally. Instead of using money that is being given to the police to maybe give to after-school programs where we build up skills and confidence in the community right? Building up skills for everybody, giving youth a job and something to look up, look for and to have a purpose, right? I think those things go a long way. Well, you're going more to more the than root. They do. They're long-term. Those are long-term. Yes. Um, yes. Because, because there's so much. Yeah. Rather than band-aids. Exactly. The, 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 the tip of the iceberg is all the band-aids yeah. and all the talk and all the, you know, we're going to throw this. But unless the deeper parts are uprooted, going to the root cause, which is huge yes. in naturopathic medicine too, right? Yeah, it's like absolutely. you go down to the root 
And that does require that you excavate. Yeah, it does require that you things are going to be unsettled and disturbed. If you want to get rid of something that is in your garden that's uh, harming your your plants, then you got to dig down. And you you've dig got to, down and you pull the roots out. That's right. And in gardening, and it's it's and ruthless. you fill. Yeah, you you fill with what do you want in there? How do you exactly. and and how do you relate to this? What's the intention behind it? So thank you for answering that around the anti versus pro because I did wonder about it and I and I I understand what you're saying that I think it can be almost too soft and give yeah. people permission to say well you know yeah I include everybody but unless you really yeah. go into what you were saying imagine what it would feel like to be this person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very different experience. It really is very much just that relating to another human being, right? And trying to take that fear of making mistakes, but also learning certain tools in regards to how to relate to somebody who is different than you. Yeah. Um, And also how to get to know someone who is different than you and how fabulous that could be to have these varied relationships and friendships absolutely and connections with people who are so different than yourself and what you can experience but also what you can share with them in an authentic way showing up as a human being faults and all yeah beautiful being able to embrace them and embrace the other person right is beautiful connect and connect on that point of where we're similar like, yeah. oh, you've had heartbreak. I've had heartbreak. Absolutely. But we first have to be willing to step in. And Jennifer, thank you very much for being on the show again. And uh, My pleasure. Yeah, it's great. And my I know pleasure. Pe- thank you for having. It's been wonderful conversations. Absolutely. You and know? and I know people can find you through Racial Lens, right? Is there any? Yep, uh, RacialLens.com. Okay. I'm doing one-on-one. I do one-on-ones with uh, one-on-one coaching with, with uh, clients as well as a small group. My next small group isn't starting until July 7th. Okay, great. Excellent. So thank you again. Next week, we will be welcoming Karen Stevenson, an expert wild food educator, chartered herbalist, author, professional writer, researcher, and acute canine herbalism specialist and a certified master naturalist. So join us to learn about healthy eating by integrating wild foods into your daily diet, even throughout the winter months. If you'd like to uh, see who's on the upcoming show, just go to www.transformationalarts.ca. And if you'd like to email us, info at spiritgrows.ca. And I'm Alexia Georgiousis here at Things Worth Considering. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 